ready to go here. They're waiting for the TV to tell the referee that it's uh, time to kick off. BBC Wales covering the match this evening. And Connacht are about to get us going here, playing from left to right. Blues coming from deep again. Halaholo gets it out. Bit of danger for Connacht to deal with. Adi Aloka makes a good tackle. Another good tackle going in there. But the boss, though, that's wonderful to Halaholo. He's laid it off. And Ollie Robinson is in. Well, that almost came from nothing. But it really came from brilliant hands. Great credit to the debutant Owen Lane as well. Coming from the right wing off uh, uh, onto the left-hand side. And Connacht have been really schooled there in uh, taking your chances. Because in the space of two and a half minutes, the Blues have hit Connacht for at least eight points, maybe more. This is reminiscent of the game against the Dragons right at the start of the season. Everything is just completely out of sync in midfield from, from, from there again. Farrell was trying to, to sort of overhead pass that and it, everybody just seems to be slightly out of position when they're, when they're coming up in the line. And it's, they're almost getting on top of each other, they're getting in each other's way. It's a line out to Cardiff and uh, they are just inside their own half to field. 13 points to three. Ollie Robinson's try was the one moment of class in this very poor game so far. Connacht have had a lot of the ball, but very little to show for it. But that three points from Cardi. Robinson speaking off is the target in the line out. Ball across the back line. Adi Olokan intercepts. And he's going to go in underneath the post. Just like that, Connacht have a try out of nothing. Perfect line out for the Blues. They try to do a flat pass across the back line, but Adi Olokan was alive to it. And knee Adi Olokan gets Connick's first try of the game game on it is half time there's Nick Williams who decided in the end there's nothing coming from this we'll take half time and a quick summation of that first half where Cardiff Blues lead Connick by 16 points to 13 well as I said it was, it was a half of two halves Connick had so much possession and they were dominating the game and then they, they switched off completely uh, got themselves into a whole heap of bother through some very poor play some very inaccurate play and then got a, a very cheeky intercept try to get themselves back into it and, and that seems to have steadied them down considerably here's a line out full line out for Connacht let's see if Cardiff have to pull it down again or can, it, can Connacht get the ball going it's a man down the back line so it's going to stay in the forwards it goes towards the touchline the Blues try and drive it in brilliant strength from the Connacht pack to stay in field initially Blues trying to drive it towards the touchline the ball comes out the side they're over the line try for Connacht what a turnaround in this game. They looked like they conceded down the other end of the field. Game on again. Well, it's a, it's a game that you don't want to make too many predictions in because you, you just don't know what's going to happen next. It'll certainly put the pressure on Connacht here. We're back to the full complement on both sides, just to emphasise. 20 minutes to go in this game, a five-point lead for the Blues, but if a scrum in the Connacht 22, 15 minutes in for the touchline, if they can orchestrate one more try, you'll have to hand it to them. Hands come. That's brilliant. Hands, they're nearly over the line. They are! That's the try that should really break through. Cardiff have got it, 28 points to 18, and that is a massive answer from the Blues. Just when you thought Connick might have had them rattled, they've come up with a lovely try, and that man Anscombe cutting Connick to shreds. They won here last year. It's going to take something ridiculously special in the last four minutes and 45 seconds to win this time because the score is Cardiff 33, Connick 23. Two tries, three tries in total, actually, for Connick as I count up in this, uh, in this game. So Connick are also chasing a four-try bonus point. And you wouldn't put it past either side to sort of pull something out. Here's Peter Arkey, hands off the man, and then goes along the end line, and Arkey's away! Connick's new signing holds off three men, and he could get an offload here inside to Tom Farrell. Farrell does get away. Now Farrell holds off the tackle, is going towards the line. Can he get it away? Connick can make 95 metres after a new signing, Arkey. 
Unbelievable! Well, across it comes. Cardiff are clearly offside there. Connacht have the numbers on the far side. Heffernan, one more pass to John Muldoon. And Connacht are going to score their fourth try of this game. So, big result for Cardiff. This is the last kick of the game. Anscombe to go towards the post just to stretch that lead and wrap it up. 36 points to 30. The Blues have won this. It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast. I'm Rob Murphy. We're in Cardiff, so this would be the Cardiff edition. William Davis, welcome along. Evening, Rob. Lindy McKenzie, welcome along. Evening, Rob. I feel like saying Happy Christmas, because as we look out from the Clayton Hotel here, all I see is Christmas decorations everywhere, and it's only late November. Yeah, well, Christmas sort of starts um, the day after Halloween finishes. So it's already been going a month for some people, or <laughs> nearly a month. Uh, yes, it's very Christmassy, I have to say. It's, uh, it's also freezing cold this evening, so it's proper Christmas weather. <laughs> and we have like five games played before Christmas. Unfortunately, one of them has lost, and the win streak is over. It stops at four. It's the first point of co- order. The second point of order is the team that was below Connacht in the conference standings have now gone above Connacht, and considering the fact they beat them in the sports ground as well, they've really taken an edge now. Well, we're just from first place, it's really exactly the same because our two bonus points and therefore winning points means that we're still, uh, they're now one ahead of us instead of yeah. one point ahead of us and we were one point ahead of them before this match. So, yeah. you know, all is not lost, but those two, those two bonus points, I think, were actually vital in getting something out of that game because it really was... It was, it was such a sort of a, oh, I don't know, sort of helter-skelter, sort of messy sort of match that really any team could have won. And it was a bit hard sometimes to get a grip on it because, you know, that, uh, you know I don't like pulling apart referees, but he, he really looked like he was out of his depth. And I think it was very frustrating, particularly those, those scrums where Connor obviously had an edge all day. That was extremely frustrated to have a penalty from a scrum to set another one. I think there were three sets on resets, and on the third, they award them the penalty. Um, you know, that, you know, there. I don't know the ins and outs, obviously, of yeah. what's happening down there yeah. on that scrum, but it seems a bit odd that Connor had the scrum. The, you know, the dominance in that particular area all day. Now I know they did change their prop at that, but I think that was more just. Uh, you know, yeah. for a cosmetic sake rather than anything else at that stage. So, look, Connacht, I don't think, played to the best of their ability. They certainly didn't finish chances, particularly in that first half, that they, they could have had, you know, several times. But at the same time, they did they did show a certain resolution and determination each time to fight back when, you know, they were, they were never actually ahead of that match. Yeah, okay, so you got that. Brilliant fight back twice, 10 points down twice actually, and then back to level on, on one occasion, back within seven on the other, getting the four try bonus point. I don't know, there, there were lots of, like if you were saying, if you were giving gold stars out, you, and maybe, I don't know, what, what, what's the opposite of a gold star? Wooden spoons, since we're in rugby terminology. If you're giving gold stars, I think Connacht would have more wooden spoons than gold stars out of that game, but they'd have a fair few gold stars as well, because some things went right, just too many things went wrong. Yeah, they weren't they weren't precise enough or direct enough in the first 20 minutes when Cardiff still seemed to be in the changing rooms. Uh, there was a lot of rather insipid play, passing the ball and passing it on, and not really trying to strike and 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 make a decisive move. Nobody really took the bull by the horns, if you want to use that hackneyed old expression. And in games like this sides usually do get a chance to come back in 
and Cardiff did, and they just they just grabbed it. Um, and it was very very frustrating. Mm. And that's where I think it got left behind. There were some errors as well. There was lots of errors at various times. What about Linney's point on the referee? I think Linney summed it up well. Just seemed out of his depth. Guys have to learn. It was his first game. We need to introduce new referees. But he did seem all over, all over the place. We were very frustrated. Even before that scrum penalty, there's been talk about maybe Dennis Buckley took a step and that's why he made that call. That's possibly a good enough explanation and that these things happened. But Macaulay Cook should have been sinbinned seconds before that. Yeah, that, that's where I, I, th- I thought he actually did okay in the first half. But it was the second okay, yeah. half that it really started to get away from him. Yeah. Um, if a player comes in from the side and stops a clear sc- try scoring opportunity, the minimum to me is a red, um, sorry, a yellow card. You you could award penalty try, but you probably wouldn't. Mm. But it was the fact that he didn't bring over the Cardiff captain and have a chat with him about that. They gave away a lot of penalties in their own 22. Mm. All through the game. You were pointing this out, right? The penalty count might have been very even, which in itself was was uh, was, was, was ruined the game because it was 22, 23 penalties by the 60-minute mark, I think, from the two teams. But as you said, Cardiff's penalties, a lot of them were in key, key areas and important areas. They were professional penalties, really. And uh, a better referee, more experienced referee, would have realised what was going on and said, no, nah, not having that. And uh, yet... Well, Connick will have complaints, Lily. Sorry to jump in there, William, but they'll still. You, you still look at that game, and it's kind of you kind of feel four-two is probably a fair reflection, isn't it? Because Cardiff answered every Connick score with a big score themselves. Like you think of Anscombe setting up uh, the young lad, who's the winger, Owen Lane, is it? Owen Lane. Owen Lane, yeah, great score for him. You know, so they had an answer to everything. Connick. That was his first match actually. Owen Lane yeah. in the Pro Four team uh, for him, so that was a good start for him. I, I think they did appear to look a little bit more incisive. Uh, with their with their running and their breaks, they looked like they were going somewhere. We did look a bit sort of lateral, I think, you know, too often, um, not really penetrating as penetrating as what we could be. But at the same time, when it, you know, look, when it comes to the when it comes to the ref, you were talking about the you know the yellow card um, we got for the I mean, Griffin for the mm. for the um, deliberate knock on deliberate knock on, mm. you know. You have to look at the ref in the hometown, you know, it, and it happens everywhere. The home crowd were baying the whole time for that ref, and it was the home crowd who actually made that ref stop on a number of occasions. And they, had, they had exactly the same thing happen. Theirs was actually worse. It was deliberately patted down and battered down in the first half, a knock, uh, you know, forward, uh, and it was completely overset, overset, wasn't seen at all, you know. Mm. And so I think, you know. When you're in front of a hometown crowd, you're going to get that happen. And I think he did actually react a lot after after the event too much to the home crowd. So, but we're we're agreed though. We're not really saying this from the perspective of have we had a, a Nigel Owens there connector coming out with a win, are they? Or maybe you disagree. Feel free to say it. I don't think you'd get away with coming in from the side and st- stopping a drive that's going forward towards the try yeah, line. But Connick did still not deal with the restart and let Cardiff straight back into it as no, they kept doing. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, they had chances to just deal with stuff in the game. They should have dealt with their chances early yeah. on. They should have converted more than three points in those first 15 minutes. I do think, though, that a different referee would have had a, a, such a better handle on the game that yeah. Connick would have felt a lot more confident. Yeah, OK, I'll give you that, yeah. You know, yeah. in that. And, that yeah, and I think William is right. Like, I, I'm being 
obviously I'm, I'm being argumentative deliberately but I kind of tend to agree with you I mean had that that was a key moment in the game Connacht had hit the traps well at the start of the second half there should have been seven points on the board from that try Macaulay Cook knew he had to do something and in fairness it worked out perfectly for him because uh, they, he stopped the try and uh, they didn't see the thing Dennis Buckley very disappointing defeat obviously where Connick stand right now in the standings is just slipping below Cardiff but overall two points may well be something that later in the season you might look back and say that was something to dig, dig out of the game yeah I think certainly if we give it a, a bit of time and, and once once a few more games have passed those two points might be quite valuable to us but I think um in, in the immediate aftermatch of the game, it, it, it's a very disappointed squad at the moment. Um, certainly felt that we conceded some soft tries that that's not really what we're about. And at the same time, we probably left one or two behind us, particularly at the end there. So, um, no, I think there was opportunities to win the game, but ultimately we just weren't good enough. It was a really kind of uh, high-octane game. We seem to be involved in a lot of these games at the moment. It swings in momentum and a lot of scores yeah it was quite a weird one like I think after about 15 minutes it was it was 3-0 to us and we'd we must have had about 90-90% plus of possession and then and then by about 20 minutes it was 13-3 to them and you're sort of you're on the pitch and you're wondering how did that just happen and just sort of two or three scores from, from nowhere um, and then it kind of swung again they they kind of got on top and then we kind of found ourselves back level with them um, just from one or two sort of big plays at, at, at big times so um, yeah look it was it was a pretty um, a pretty loose loose game which which isn't really what we want like we want to play with a lot of tempo and, 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 and pace and stuff uh, particularly in attack but at the same time we need to be able to control the opposition and, and we should be the ones dictating the tempo and the pace and not, not allow us to, to get caught up in in maybe some some loose phases of play that, that happened yesterday and obviously to concede uh, 36 points you're, you're going to be doing well to win a game if that's the case so um, there's certainly a lot of areas that we can improve on looking forward to Zebra A lot of frustration afterwards with some of the decisions but level-headed frustration you understand it was a little bit out of your control but certainly you will feel there were some things that you'd like to have back calls that you'd like to have back from yesterday Yeah, absolutely um, certainly one or two big decisions I thought went against us that on another day most probably would would have gone our way, but but look, it, it it's like that, and you have to you have to play above that, and you, you have to be good enough that you take the, take those decisions out of the referee's hands. And I think in the end that we weren't, and that's and us not being good enough is what cost us really. So um, we suppose the best thing we can do now is try park that game. Um, we've got a huge game now against Zebra away, which is they're by no means a pushover team anymore at all. They've had some big big results at home. Um, so they're going really well so it's going to be a really tough game but it becomes a must win now for us after this result so um, Suddenly the value of those two points if you can dig out a one point win in Zebra and you're getting six from this block is that fair? Yeah possibly but I suppose in a few weeks time when we reflect back on it maybe but at the moment that's not really the case I think there's a, a just a disappointed uh, atmosphere in the squad at the moment but we'll look to park that and build them hopefully to get a good result next week That was voice there of Dennis Buckley just saying it though Lots of positives from a Cardiff perspective tonight and it's, it's funny, it's probably no harm for us just to think about what they're going to view this game as. They're going to view it as a high-scoring win, they'll be disappointed that Connacht picked away two points but they think a double over Connacht does no harm. And, they, and you said it, Lily, their tries were better tries. They scored some really good scores. Even if you take the own Griffin-Simbin that we think was a bit harsh, let's not forget that it was a move from a line where they made 50 metres on a lovely inside pass and some great work from Willis Alaolo. So they almost earned that penalty, if not the yellow card that maybe shouldn't have been given but yeah better tries from Cardiff some great tries 
Well, I mean, I'm not going to detract from from Conant's expertise up front because they did get two yeah. extremely well-worked tries from from you know line out and all. Um, but I just think you know, in terms of the backline, in terms of the open play, I thought that their tries were a lot more um, more skillful. Their handling was superb, especially that uh, one of those tries up the left wing in the first half. Was, yeah, in the first half, started by Macaulay Cook, I think, and I think. Um, Did Tom James come in on that and Hallow Hole and Hallow Hole? Oh yeah, Owen Lane again. Oh and yeah, I think there was some lovely, uh, there was some lovely handling there um, before um, Robinson got in. Robinson yeah. got in over there. And that was that. I mean, that was a well worked try on the left. Um, and look, yes, they did take advantage of the Sinbining and Bob and Griffin without a shadow of a doubt. They deliberately went, they deliberately, you know, went right, you know, where there was the gap in the hole there. You know, it's hard to defend at that speed. Yeah, of course, you know, yeah. It's hard to defend. But I thought, I thought they did look, um, I thought they looked good out wide, I have to say, with good line speed. And maybe it's a home team thing, maybe it's just the confidence. You, you made a good point too, though. Like, Connacht hit hit their scores early on they had a couple of chances maybe it's a different Cardiff team maybe it's not half as fluid maybe they're maybe they're in a whole other shape maybe it's the Cardiff team we saw at the sports ground and let's be honest yeah fair play they won but they weren't very good at the sports ground they knew themselves they kind of snuck that, snuck that victory whereas today they grew in confidence because Connick didn't take their chances early on well they were never behind in, well they were once because Connick kicked the penalty to go 3-0 up but right, if, if that had been 10-0 I'm not sure Cardiff would have had quite the pep in the step. I think that really would have got into their heads a bit. But they, th- when they scored, they scored at a very opportune time. And Connacht had a horrible 10 minutes around that first Cardiff score. Mm. And yeah, it was just the failure to, to convert position on the field and possession into something more meaningful. And you wanted somebody to really step up and do something. And it didn't quite happen. There was a reticence there from players to actually take responsibility and try something. Connacht's last try was something totally different from that, where we had uh, Pitta Arkey making his debut. He got a ball standing still, uh, handed off um, Cardiff player, and then just went herring up the field, dancing his way, escaping from a couple of tackles. Uh, Tom Farrell beside him playing with a real bit of freedom and that was a lovely score uh, yeah. but if you'd seen that a little bit earlier on maybe but you know it's yeah it's, it, they're capable of it but then the flip side of it is you're watching that quick line out no sorry you're watching that scenario where Cardiff didn't find touch in the first half you think of Cardiff uh, Cardiff's, was it their second try when Tierney O'Halloran kept the ball in play you know what that was it was three points so you're watching that scenario where O'Halloran keeps the ball in play from a line out and Connick spread the ball across the back line and no one really knows no one takes the initiative takes control of it I'll go to you I think you know I think that's what in, in some ways what Karen King was talking about prior to the break um, I think there's a lot of reticence there by players because you know we are still looking at it, it's very hard to change that whole mindset that everyone takes responsibility mm. because do these players have the confidence to do that Turner O'Holloran obviously does you've got some youngsters in there as well that still is is a, is a work on and a develop and a development so we so we watch a Southern Hemisphere player like Halo Holo and how he can make what is a mis- effectively a disjointed Cardiff lineup because they're missing a few key players really give them a shape and a, and a, and a focus and then you think what 
the one time Arky got the ball when he came on and you, and you think that you do need that little element of spark when the Aki provides it you, you guys were talking during the week about how Jared Butler has provided it in a forward context but sometimes in just in, in terms of carry, ball carries as well Arky might be might be one of the answers that Connick need that just someone to just take control and just be a little bit more well, well, I think I think that's why he's here. Obviously, mm. Bandit Bandy was the you know the fulcrum, the, the fulcrum. He's the, the pivot, really. He's he's the fellow who is 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 the leader of that backline himself and and Turner O'Halloran, and he's not there. And I think that was the whole reason why you know Connor needed a replacement. And so Peter Aki is obviously a, a very talented, speedy player. You know, players who come from the northern from the southern southern hemisphere, I suppose. They are given that that heads up rugby style, so they, they, they develop that, that type of rugby earlier. And I think that that's where they need someone I think, you know, like Peter Aki comes in that his he, he's the he's the bunting would be great to see the two of them together too, it'll be interesting to see. Just remember there was a, a huge shake up in that in, in this back line, you know. Yeah, tonight, yeah. Tonight, you know. And you also have to remember, which we probably forgot at the very start of the game that we also lost on the queue at the last one. Yeah, I was going to ask you about how different is that game tonight? And I'll start with you and then you, William. Lindley, how different is that game tonight if Connacht have a full working back row in order and don't lose Jay Keenan early in the second half, don't lose Omi Kiyomi for kick off? Yeah, I mean, we do have seem to have difficulties in that back row. We have mm. such talented back They could back do it a break. We like. have such talented back row players mm. and, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a very attritional sort of position really, isn't it? Mm. Um, so that was obviously that was obviously a blow right before kickoff to lose someone like that. And then you've got Ken Callagher wearing officially the number 20 jersey as, as a replacement back row, so to speak. So, and then you had obviously had Della Hunt come on instead for, for Jake Keenan. So you have, you know, a hooker, you know, for Jake Keenan. So there obviously, there wasn't little bit of disruption for, for players to have to cope with and I think the lack of experience in these positions and in these tight games um, you know is, is probably telling because there aren't possibly enough experienced leaders on the field. The other thing that strikes you about the Southern Hemisphere players when you see someone like Alaholo tonight is their ability to operate in very tight spaces and to create space. Mm. either by footwork or a pass mm. or a line that's very small margins mm. but if you look at what Connett were trying to do when they had the ball in the first 15 minutes it was just going over and back and over and back there were small one-off runners but it was laboured mm. and I think your concentration goes a bit and maybe you lose a bit of hope because you're, you know, Cardiff didn't have to work. Cardiff worked really well in the defensive line, but they weren't challenged to have to do anything particularly difficult. And what about the gaps in behind then, and the opportunities to kick? And for some reason, Iconic didn't kick as much. Yeah, that that is a bit of a puzzle. Now, I know kicking on this, but Jack did kick a couple of. He had one or two that worked really well. Remember that kick over the top that yeah. bounced perfectly for Niadu and caused him real trouble. And that, we didn't see that again in mm. the entire game. If you get your kick right on that type of pitch, it's very difficult to defend because it stops dead. Mm. Uh, I have to compliment him on two wonderful line kicks where he kicked the ball into the 22 yeah. from penalties. He went for it. Yeah. Proper attacking kicks, not content with just floating it in 20 metres out, getting it inside that 10 metre zone, getting it in 7, 8 metres from the line, backing himself to kick the ball. And I think. Sorry, I think that's where the confidence things comes comes from. If they had a scored from that to start with, yeah. the confidence in someone like Jack would have grown. 
but when it didn't happen and it became such a tight game that confidence just seems to be sucked out of them and in fact you know if you think of this immediately after half time you're denied you're denied a, a, a try um, and then Something else happened. Something else happened. I can't remember. There were two things, two major decisions mm. that, that the ref took. You know, within the space. Well, there was the denied try, and then there was the Dennis Buckley scenario in the scrum, where it would appear he did something that the referee didn't like. Mm. Took a step to the left at a point when his scrum is completely dominated. Yes. No. That might be the referee might be completely wrong, but I mean, that was the third or fourth reset on that. Mm. Yeah, an then, awful lot of patience. And then you had the yellow card for Owen Ruffin. Which, you know, even talking to Simon Lewis, who's you know, a well-known Welsh journalist, said it seemed very innocuous. It seemed like, although one hand was used, it wasn't like yeah. he was batting it. It felt he to me like trying, a penalty. He was trying, course, yeah. he was trying to, to catch it yeah. with one arm. Um, even that was a harsh. And those two decisions came within a few minutes of each other. And it just seemed to suck some of the energy and that confidence out of Connacht and you know Connacht are a confidence type team they need that at some point Connacht need to take control of these games William they are the senior side in these fixtures as far as I'm concerned what do I mean by that in the terms of they don't get affected as much by international call-ups there are key key men that could have been in the Irish squad against Fiji last week were just a couple of big percentiles better in their form they'd be in there Finley Bealham and Dearden O'Halloran for example neither, neither played poorly today they both did a good shift but bigger picture is this Connacht team took to the field they should have the confidence next week to put the mistakes right here against Cardiff and deliver the kind of result no matter how good Zebra are playing that Connacht should deliver in a fixture like that um, they should do but um, away games are always a challenge and it'll be hard and they, yeah, I mean, size will always look for positive. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of things tonight would would, would concern them if, if they make the same errors next week. I think it'd be ter- it'd be foolish to take too many poli- positives from this one, really. I think you can just take the two points. That, that's about it. The fact that Cardiff finished up one point ahead from being one point behind in the in the conference. It was also said, remember, at press conference this week that you know these two games were going to shape. You know the competition, how the, sh- the competition goes on, and what it's done now is it's put more pressure, heaped more pressure on this side that I'm not sure is able necessarily to cope with it. But should they not be able at this stage to cope with with the pressures in di- in terms of what what they're being asked to do in these two fixtures, which are B teams that are initially but were below them in the standings, and. You know, there's a lot of winners, a lot of champions, a lot of, uh, sorry, there's a lot of Pro 14 medals in there. Pro 12 medals, what do you say, God? Medals. There are, but that seems like an awful long time ago now, when you've had, you know, a couple of seasons. Where, I mean... A lot know, of change. A lot of change. The last yeah. season with Padlam was, you know, let's say it was disappointing, to say the least. Mm. Uh, it was extremely disappointing, because had that momentum of, of the year before been maintained and we hadn't dropped... You know, from the Champions Cup to Challenge Cup, we wouldn't have lost. You know, that the momentum would have been there. Players would still be there. There'd be a huge more confidence, a greater confidence. So, Kieran King may have been inheriting a slightly different type of mindset in the player and a different and a different team. He's had to come in. That we had gone down already. You know, um, players are players. You know, obviously a few players, you know, left and and so he's come in. He's brought a few players in, he's, he's keeping his options open, he has, doesn't know what the players like. You know, there's lots of change there and 
we we don't have huge piles of experience in that team. Look, you know, we've got talented youngsters in many ways who are growing and who do have a lot of it, who do have quite a bit of experience of winning, but they have experience of winning within a particular tight knit group of players. And that, a system as well. And a system. Yeah. Um, under Pat Lamb and you know that has changed and this is a group of players who now they are older and they sh and they are older but they have to they they do have to actually mentally I think get around this this these changes and these differences and they you know they, they really have to you know gonna have to work I think a little bit harder and and have a little more, more composure mm. and they do need a few more leaders there to stand up I think you know I have to say I think Tom McCartney was is I think Dave Heavenham is a superb player especially around the pitch he's brilliant but I think Tom McCartney brings just um, an experience and a calmness he's a very calm sort of can I be as far can I raise it to the critical level of, of saying was that a real mistake just it seems unusual to me that Tom McCartney would be left out at this fixture I think just the lack of experience, missing Bundy with experience, mm. you know, um, Tom McCartney with experience. You have John Muldoon there, and you have Turner at the back. Yeah, and then after the yeah. the bags of experience and and very little else. Okay, we have to just accept that it was a kind of a it was a peak. It dropped off, and they're just trying to regroup right now. And speaking of regrouping, Jay Keenan's moving on. That's one other piece of news we have to cover. Fortunately, he, he took a knock today and had to go off. That's been the story of his career because when he's been able to stay fit, he's been phenomenal. And from that perspective, he's a loss. Yeah, he is. Um, but he has had a, an injury blighted time here, which is difficult for a younger player. Um, so he's decided to, to go elsewhere mm. and, and see how his uh, career pans out, which is fair enough. Uh, he's obviously here for the rest of the season. He's got to knuckle down and do what he do his best for Connacht, which I'm sure he will. Um, yeah, and um, Jake obviously was a very talented young player with you know a great career in front of him. Captain of you know the under twenty baby blacks, which is no small feat for anyone you know from New Zealand in that environment. And I mean he was a, he was a he was a great addition to the Connacht squad. Obviously, Pat Lamb brought him over. Um, coming from you know that the same area in Auckland, and I think you know Jake will be missed not just for Jake as a player, but for what he brought to the squad. I mean, he came from a past which he was very open to explain when he got involved with the Irupa uh, Tackle Your Feelings program because he did have troubles as a teenager and rugby was a huge saver to him and he's been, I think he's been very brave and he's been very honest um, and mature to use his experiences for that to, you know, to um, explain to people, you know, about the difficulties some men particularly and rugby people have, you know, in mm. tackling their feelings and I think he's done a brilliant job on that. And he's, he's really reached a lot of kids and a lot of young people in Connacht, so he's he's left a good a good kind of uh, legacy within the province for his connection to it as well. Absolutely, and he was you know Jake was a was a lovely natural person who loved talking to youngsters. Very good, very very good with with, with young children and you know youngsters playing rugby. And I think it wasn't just the fact that yes, we know that he had a lot of injuries, but he came here as a talented player. He came here, remember, as a project player, and a project player's 
the reason for the project player is that kind of identify players who will possibly pay, play for Ireland. I'm sure that Jake was probably a little bit frustrated because he has had injuries. Hmm. And I'm sure Jake was probably a little bit frustrated that he never possibly got um, selected on, you know, one of those summer summer tours under Joe Schmidt and I'm sure that after you know four or five years here in Connacht that he's probably decided you know if he's not going to play for Ireland then maybe he does have to look towards his long-term future and maybe start somewhere afresh and we've no words on that yet no official word no official word but it you know the the, the understanding is that you know he is going to go to Bristol with right. understandable because it was Catalan who brought him over and I'm sure Pat Lamb would, would love to have him back. Pat Lamb obviously won't confirm that, you know, and it hasn't been confirmed yet, but that is the expectation that he is going to Bristol. And he, you know, he's, I think he'd be a huge loss as a person to Connor, not just as a player. But I think everyone who listens to this podcast and every Connor fan will wish him all the best. Maybe well welcome back if Bristol or any other team comes across the sports ground with Jake Heenan in their ranks. take that on from, from your point because I agree six away games the challenge but I looked before we went to, to take on RNA in Geneva I would have said there's, there's four European games coming up in the next eight there's four games including Munster at home Jesus uh, at home and, and these two games away and I would say oh, give me seven from eight and Connacht are back in this competition they're still on track to do that if they go and win in Zebra if they beat Brief home and away I think this has been a very successful block would you agree with that start with you um, well, it would in terms of the context of Europe. There's two separate competitions. Yeah, there. but the momentum you get out of that could really go into that Ulster game. The problem with momentum is they didn't take any. There's no momentum out of the win over Munster. What, what, what's happened there? I mean, they beat Munster, and the last two games have been. Well, Kieran Kane was fuming after the Cheetahs game with the performance. At some stage, they have to. They have to. They have to keep a level of performance. And. That's the puzzle because in the past we've always used the interprovincial games as a kickstart. Mm. But we have regressed a bit. We certainly regressed this evening because there was an awful lot of just non incisive play. Uh, but they can still fix that, they can still get that sorted out. Um, but they're big challenges. It's just, it's that, you know, we're into that time of year now. They could be playing on a, a muck heap in Zebra. That those games in Italy always become disjointed. You're worried we could lose next week, and you're worried about Brief too. Yeah, I'm, I'm concerned about next week because I think Michael Bradley will really target that game, and I think he'll be looking. He'll have all his Italian players back, and he'll really be looking to go for it. He wants to prove a point, which is fine. The Brief one is really funny. I don't think Brief have any interest whatsoever in the European Challenge Cup, but it's a home game in France on what could be a freezing cold, miserable, wet afternoon. You're only saying that because you're not going. (laughs) Late evening in France. And they'll just say, right, we want to win this because the crowd are in and they want to play well. And they could say, doesn't matter about next week in Galway, we'll send over whoever the hell wants to go. We can have a volunteer if you want to go to Galway. Um, So that's... Part of the mental challenge is getting ready because I think Zebra is actually as much a mental challenge as a physical one. This next, yeah. this next game is monsters. 
Yeah, and I, yeah, it is extremely important for them now. And, you know, let's not keep so much pressure on them that, you know, that they have to, that, look, they're at the stage where they now have to absorb this pressure and they have to get on with it and they have to win and they have to play a little bit more smart rugby and a little bit more precise rugby and they have to do lift themselves. I suppose this is where maturity comes from. If you can get yourself up for a game like Munster, why can't you, why can't you reproduce that? Now, it has been said that both Kieran Keane, I think, and Peter Wilkins have said it, that emotionally it took a huge toll on them. Well, I don't think tonight's game would have taken a huge emotional toll on them, apart from just frustration. And now they have to get out and they have to actually, they have to do it next week against Zebra. Oh, it's suddenly, suddenly taking on such importance this game next week. Okay, that's almost it. Any other business? I'll start with the other business then. I was at an event that has nothing to do with rugby during the week. Uh, Paul Giblin, who passed away sadly during the summer after a long battle and a brave battle with, with a really tough illness. Um, they've come up with a brilliant idea to create a bursary for him because he was a tremendous roar and an amazing athlete in his own right. He also took other sports to hand and never had any bother with them, but in particular his contribution to rowing, but as a coach in his latter years and his, as a rower as well was huge. And this bursary they created is a really good idea and a great example of what you can do to create a legacy. And uh, they created it for Aurora in NUIG and they've given it to Georgina Dean, who's one of their star up-and-coming rowers who just exhibits a lot of the characteristics that Paul would have looked for in his rowers when he was coaching and would have looked for himself as well. I just really like that as an example of how sport can uh, leave a really, really strong legacy in tough times for tough families. So uh, great stuff from uh, everyone involved behind that Paul Giblin bursary award. Look it up. It'll be in the papers and everything. And actually, speaking of rowing, I was interviewing another rower oh. this week, yeah. of course, and it has and has got to do with rugby. Oh, yeah. Because, of course, it was none other than Damien Brown, who actually leaves on Tuesday for his huge, huge, huge challenge of rowing solo across the Atlantic. Obviously, Damien being the brother of Andrew, who is recuperating from uh, an operation for his Achilles. Mm. And uh, so Damien leaves um, on the 12th of December from... Uh, the Canary Islands and we don't know how long it's going to take and he doesn't know how long it's going to take but I have to say he's he is one very very brave man to take on a challenge like that um, for someone who I suppose has never really been involved in water sports but has been involved in disciplinary sports and particularly rugby which he believes he has learnt so much of his strength and his discipline from the rugby so I'm sure that everybody in Galway and Connacht will be watching his progress with great interest and of course we wish him all the best cracking second row player in his day as well super segue like it good work Lily William into left yeah and we're putting out a special podcast on him at Christmas ah exclusive on Craggy Rugby okay that's it from us we'll be back with a podcast next week that's it from us